He can take what's wrong and make it right. Any of you ever experienced that? A soldier in a battle. I got news for you. Y'all are in a battle. Not all of you are soldiers necessarily. But for those of you that are soldiers tonight, I want you to understand something. The call of a Christian soldier is to do what? Fight the good fight of faith. Amen. Sadly, not enough Christians are fighting. Amen. Welcome, by the way, Pastor Washington and your lovely wife. But not enough Christians are fighting the fight of faith. I hear so often times, as I'm sure Pastor Washington and Brother Marvin and all you pastors that are in this place, how often, maybe not in these exact words, but we hear people say, Oh, Pastor, I'm just holding on. <laughs> and that's the problem. You're just holding on. Therefore, you have become the devil's punching bag. And I want you to know something. God has not called you to be the devil's punching bag. He's called you to be armed and dangerous. He's called you to fight the fight of faith, to be an overcomer, not overcome. He's called you to be victorious. He's called you to deliver some blows to the kingdom of darkness. He's called you to be a light that shines. He's called you to take the authority given to you in the blood of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, filled with his spirit, he's called you to go forth and to conquer and subdue and to overcome and to set free. He's called you, you, to take authority and dominion over the spirits of darkness. Now, oftentimes, you remember one time there were the disciples had tried to cast the demon out and they couldn't do it and Jesus come along, he did it and the disciples said, why couldn't we do that? And he said, this kind cometh not out but by fasting and prayer. Let me just ask you a question and don't answer me right now because I don't want to embarrass anybody. How much fasting have you done? How much praying have you done? How much time in the war room have you spent being prepared to go into battle? I want you to understand something. Too many people are going through life with just case of rah, rah, whatever will be, will be. We're just meandering along with no purpose, no sense of direction, without being led by the Spirit of God. But I want you to know something. The steps of the righteous man, the steps of the good man, the steps of the holy man, they're ordered of God. Amen. Are you getting orders from him? Or are you just doing your own thing? Are you doing what the word says to do? How often times have you heard me say the biggest sin in the church is not the drug addict, nor the alcoholic, nor the whoremonger or the whore. Those are not the biggest sins in the church. The biggest sin in the church are the sins of omission. The sins that we Christians know to do and don't do. The things that we know to do and don't do become sins. Because the Lord said to him that knoweth to do the right thing or to doeth good and doeth it not, to him it's sin. I promise you there are things in, that each and every one of us know that we should be doing. And for whatever reason, we don't do them. And then we try to justify or excuse our not being obedient to the word of God. I got news for you. It don't, you don't have to be a rocket scientist 
to interpret when it says to be forgiven, you must forgive. But there's way too much bitterness and unforgiveness being held on to by professing Christians. Listen. There is a God and you're not him. And I want to talk to you tonight simply about fighting that fight, being a soldier. I'm not going to preach. I want to talk to you a little bit. How many of you know who J.J. Watt is? Been watching a lot of TV, ain't you? (laughs) Made myself a little sticky note here where I wouldn't forget it. J.J. Watt, all-pro defensive end in Houston Texans, is known for this statement. Success is not owned, it's leased. And the rent is due every day. I want you to understand, Mr. and Miss Christian, when you came to Christ and repented of your sins and received the work of Calvary, you're saved. But that's the beginning point. From that moment, we're to begin our Direction in our goal should be as a Christian to be what? Like Christ. Most of us in this room tonight are a long ways from being like Jesus. So get down off of your spiritual high horse and get to where the rubber meets the road and get to where you really live, really live. Get out your spiritual pen and paper. Grade your own papers. And see where you're lacking. See where you're coming up short. Judge yourself, not by man's standards, but by God's standards, which is what? His word. Let me just give you a little quick pop quiz. In your mind right now, as best you can, name the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, gentleness, meekness, goodness, kindness. Temperance, patience. Oh, and that dreaded one, self-control. I mean, what's amazing, and I have seen this more times than I can count. People coming by, sitting down, shaking their fists, and on the bumper it says, honk if you love Jesus. (laughs) Road rage in the house of God. Listen. There's a lot of truth to self-control. How about bridling that tongue with self-control? It's the most unruly member of the body. You've heard it said before, this is not original to me. Words are like bullets. You squeeze them and they're gone. There's no calling them back. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. Are you speaking life or death? Blessings or cursings? As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. You want to know what's in your heart? Listen to what's coming out of your mouth. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Listen to your own conversation. Judge your own papers. And then come to God. And for those areas where you're remiss or deficient or short, ask him to help you. 
to become that man or woman of God that he wants you to become. If you have your Bibles open to Daniel chapter 6 before I get sidetracked. Daniel chapter 6. Very, very familiar passage of scripture and it's about Daniel in the lion's den and I'm not really going to so much preach the story of Daniel in the lion's den. I want to point out a few things about Daniel's life in this story that should and will be able to help us if we will embrace them. First of all, ask yourself the question, am I in the middle of a fight? Is the devil coming against me or my family or my church or my marriage or my business, my children? I want you to understand something. Why do you fight the fight of faith? Is it simply to hope that you go to heaven? Heaven's a grand place, no doubt. And it is the ultimate goal for each of us as Christians to arrive at. But along the journey, we're supposed to be like Jesus, are we not? Recognize the fact, he said, and the people that do know their God shall do exploits. Now, I want you to understand, God's definition of exploits oftentimes is much different than what we envision them to be. Did you know that he says in his word that if you so much as give a drink of cool water in my name, you have a prophet's reward? But let me go a little step further than that and show you the simplicity of what an exploit is. Jesus in his word says this, that to obey is better than any other sacrifice that you can make. To simply obey what the Spirit of God speaks to you, which by the way will never be contradictory to his written word. But if you will obey what's spoken, regardless of what it's about, regardless of how simple it seems or how difficult it appears, to just obey. You don't necessarily have to understand. You don't necessarily have to see the big picture or the end result, but you simply need to obey. I want to give you a quick example in the form of a praise report. Y'all been hearing this for the last couple of weeks that, uh, announcing that we were going to have a baptism this past Saturday over at Star 3 Ranch south of Wascombe at the Deludes place. We were supposed to have seven people be baptized. Robert and Linda welcomed the people. I shared a little bit about baptism and it didn't have to happen in a church, in a baptistry. It's okay if it happens there, but you know, Jesus was baptized in a river and Philip was in uh, the desert when he baptized an Ethiopian eunuch and I don't know if it was in a pond or a bar, bar ditch or I don't know where but anyway I was explaining all of that and then I asked those that were about to be baptized if any of them wanted to share a testimony and they begin to stand up and give a minute, minute and a half long testimony of what God had done in their life and how he delivered them from whiskey and this, different things like that and then at the end of that I, I just simply obeyed God and I said maybe you've come today as a spectator to watch somebody that you know be baptized. But you recognize right now that 
things aren't right between you and God. And you need to make things right and you want to receive Jesus as your Savior. Ten people said, that's me. Ten people received Christ. We wound up baptizing 15. <laughs> Instead of seven, when it was over with, everybody was eating and I had kind of gotten sidetracked and was talking to a few people and I go to get my food and the lady that was working for the caterer, I got there and she says, Pastor, you don't know how bad I wanted to kick my shoes off and get in that tank. We took our water trough out there. And I says, well, hey, it's not too late. The only prerequisite for being baptized is do you know Jesus as your personal Savior? She said, I took care of that last week. So I whistled real loud like cowboys can do and got everybody's attention and we baptized her. So we wound up baptizing 16 people simply because we were just obedient. Little is much when God is in it. Labor not for wealth nor fame. There is a crown and you can win it if you go in Jesus' name, if you'll simply do what God tells you to do. Daniel chapter six and I hurry along. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 princes which should be over the whole kingdom. Keep in mind, by the way, let me inject this, that Daniel is uh, one of four boys that were taken as teenagers, uh, as slaves into a foreign land and they are in slavery, okay? They're slaves. Now over these three presidents of whom Daniel was first, that the princes might give account unto them that the king should have no damage or loss. Then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes because an excellent spirit was in him, and the kingdom thought, and the king thought to set him over the whole realm. Then the presidents and the princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find no occasion nor fault, for as much as he was faithful. Neither was there any error or fault found in him. Then said these men, We shall not find any occasion against this Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. Then these presidents and princes assembled together to the king and said thus unto him, King Darius, live forever. All, that's a lie, all the presidents of the kingdom, the governors and the princes, the counselors and the captains, have consulted together to establish a royal statue and to make a firm decree that whosoever shall ask a petition of any god or man for thirty days, save of thee, O king, he shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing that it be not changed, according to the laws of the Medes and the Persians, which altereth not. Wherefore, King Darius signed the writing and the decree. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went up into his house with his windows being opened in his chamber towards Jerusalem. And he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed. And he gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. And then they came near and spake before the king concerning the king's decree. Hast thou not signed a decree that every man that shall ask a petition of any god or man within thirty days of thee, save of thee, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and says, This thing is true, according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which altereth not. Then answered they and said before the king that Daniel, which is of the children of the captivity of Judah, regardeth not thee, O king, nor the decree that thou hast signed, but maketh his petition three times a day. Then the king, when he heard these words, was sore displeased with himself 
And he set his heart on Daniel to deliver him, and he labored until the going down of the sun to deliver him. These men assembled unto the king and said unto him, King, know, O king, that the law of the Medes and the Persians is that no decree nor statute which is the king establisheth may be changed. Then the king commanded, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. Now the king spake and said unto Daniel, Thy God whom thou servest continually, he will deliver thee. And a stone was brought and laid upon the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords that the purpose might not be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace, and he passed the night fasting. Neither were instruments of music brought before him, and his sleep went from him. Then the king arose very early in the morning, and he went in haste unto the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried with a lamentable voice unto Daniel. And the king spake, and he said, O to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, is thy God, whom thou servest continually, able to deliver thee from the lions? And then said Daniel unto the king, O king, live forever. My God hath sent his angels and hath shut the lions' mouths, that they have not hurt me. For as much as before him innocency was found in me, and also before thee, O king, I have done no hurt. Then was the king exceedingly glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no manner of hurt was found upon him because he believed in his God. And the king commanded that they brought, they brought these men which had accused Daniel and they cast them into the den of lions, them, their children, and their wives. And the lions had the mastery of them and break all of their bones into pieces or ever they came to the bottom of the den. Then King Darius wrote unto all the people, nations, and languages that dwell on all the earth, Peace be multiplied unto you. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom men tremble in fear or reverence before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and steadfast forever. And his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed. And his dominion shall be even unto the end. He delivereth and rescueth and worketh signs and wonders in heaven and in earth. Who hath delivered Daniel from the power of the lions? The story tells itself as we read it. That's why I read the whole story. But I want to point out a few things about Daniel that we can glean from and see if they are demonstrating in our own lives so that we too when we are cast into a den of lions, we too can come forth victorious. I want you to understand first and foremost that as a child of God, you're not exempt from struggles. You're not exempt from battles. In fact, the word of God says, while you're in this world, you shall have tribulations. You're gonna have chances to throw up your hands and quit. You're gonna have opportunities to fall by the wayside. But guess what? With each and every one of those, you've got an, an opportunity to be the hand of God extended. You've got an opportunity to walk in the might and the power of God, to be a, a, a conduit of change in that circumstance. God wants to use you to make a difference in your surroundings, in your environments, in your peers, in your workplace. God wants to use you but you've got to get a little different mindset than probably what you have right now. You see, of all of the miracles that take place in the book of Daniel, and there are many miracles that take place there, you can trace them all back to chapter 1 and verse 8 where Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile his body. 
with a portion of the king's meat, nor his wine. In other words, he's saying to you and I, let's don't conform to the ways of the world. Let's purpose in our heart to keep our mind stayed upon Jesus Christ. Let's keep our focus upon him. Let's remember why we run. Let's remember the authority that's been given to us with the great commission of go and tell. I want you to understand that as an ambassador of Christ, it's much more important and much more powerful than being an ambassador of the United states to a foreign land. Even they have the power to go and be a representative of the United States. They have the power to make treaties and to sign deals. But as a Christian, you have more authority and more power than that because you can put the devil in his place. You can lay hands on the sick and them recover. You can cast out devils. You can stand in the gap and lead people to Christ that are lost and on their way to hell. But the way that you do it is not by passing judgment. The way that you do it is being sent to the spirit of God and just letting your light shine and letting the goodness of God show forth because it's the goodness of God that causes men to repentance. But they must see in you they must see in you a steadfastness. They must see in you a level of commitment that when they see you going through the same things that they go through, you're not wavering. You're not faltering. You're not falling by the wayside. The first thing I want to really point your attention to is in verse 3. They came and they, they found a, him, a, an excellent spirit was in him. What kind of spirit is in you tonight? Maybe you start off with the right spirit. And over time you become critical, cynical, judgmental, rebellious. Maybe at times you even have a religious spirit about you. I want you to understand something. If you're going to see God do great things in and through your life, you better make sure you've always got a right spirit. Secondly, we see in verse 4, where he was faithful. Are you one of those Christians that is tossed to and fro with the circumstances in your life or is there a consistency in your walk with God where you serve him in good times and in bad times, tough times, rough times, prosperous times? You've heard me say before, are you a thermostat Christian or a thermometer Christian? Is your level of Christianity as a thermostat Christian dictate the room that's around you? Or do you let the room that's around you dictate your level of commitment to God? That's the way you're just a thermometer. I challenge you tonight to be like Daniel, to be faithful to the king and to God, not lukewarm, not double-minded, not half-heartedness. I preached a sermon one time. I got off of a sign down at the relay station. There was a board up on the wall that says, a double, as long as you straddle the fence, you'll never have both feet on the ground. The sermon is simply this. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. You've got a purpose in your heart. You've got to go back to chapter 1. You've got to get purposed. You've got to be like Paul. You've got to become persuaded, committed, faithful. And thirdly, in verse 11, I'm going to hurry. I realize it's one minute after 8. I'm going to be through by 9.30, I promise. <laughs> verse 11. They found him praying and making supplication. Supplication means a humble request. We got too many bosses trying to tell God what to do. He's the CEO, not you. 
Simply put, I better not go there. Prayer. What is prayer? It's communication with God, right? We're really, really good at telling God what we need and what we want. But we're really, really lacking when we get done talking at learning how to sit still, zip our lip, and wait to hear God say something. We've got to grow in that area, brothers and sisters. Because you see, Scripture says, To him that hath an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit of God saith. First, you've got to want to hear what he says. And when you want to hear with him, if you'll quit talking long enough and listen, he'll speak to you. So tonight I challenge you, how's your prayer life? When Paul and Silas were in prison and at midnight, they prayed. When Jesus was in the garden in the midnight of his, of his life, right before he went to the cross, what did he do? He prayed. I want you to understand something. No matter what you're facing, no matter what you're going through, a key is pray. Pray is talking. Pray is listening. And lastly, in verse 23, he believed. He believed. That's another area that we're remiss in our Christian walk is that we know God can, but we don't think he will. You remember those three Hebrew children Right before they're thrown into the, the fiery furnace, the king says, Who is that God that is able to deliver you from my hand? They says, We ain't afraid to answer you on this matter. Because my God can. And my God will. But then a step further, they said, But even if he don't, we're not going to bow down. It's time we grow in our commitment and our to God to where we know he not only can, but we have an expectation of him that he will. But even if he don't, I will not bow. I will not compromise. I will not fall by the wayside. I will not conform to the ways of the world. I'd rather go out with a blaze of glory in Christ than to go out to a blaze in hell. Simply put, God can and God will deliver us, but I want you to understand something. It's not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. That's why it's important that as a Christian, you be filled with the spirit. You be led by the spirit. You let the discernment of the spirit be operable in your lives and he will help you be the man or woman that he's called you to be because see he wants all of us to accomplish great things for his kingdom and for his namesake would you bow your heads here in this place tonight I want to ask you very quickly and very simply you're going through a lion's den you're in the middle of a very very tough battle I want to see your hand. I want to pray for you. Anybody anywhere, get it up. Yes, yes, yes. Hands everywhere. Get it up. Hi, don't be bashful. There's a lot of people fighting. This is you. Get your hand up. Okay, now put it down. You say, Dennis, I'm one of those people that I believe that God can, but I hadn't been expecting him to. 
Confession is good for the soul. If that's you, could I see your hand? Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Others, get it up real quick across this place. Get it back down. Maybe you're in this house tonight and you're lost. You're on your way to hell and you know it. I'm not judging you. Because you see, anyone and everyone who dies without Christ will spend eternity in hell. Jesus said, I set before you life and death. Choose life. It's your choice. Some would say, well, I just don't believe this God of love that I hear about that he'd he'd send me to hell. He doesn't. You send yourself by rejecting the lifeline of salvation that he's throwing to you by way of the cross through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. If you're in this place tonight and you say, Dennis, I am lost and I need to ask Jesus to forgive me. Could I see your hand? Anyone, anywhere, very quickly. Yes, ma'am. Anyone else, very quickly. Yes, ma'am. Thank you and thank you, ma'am. Anyone else, very quickly. Perhaps you're that prodigal son or daughter that's you're out there wallowing in a pig pen, living a life and you know better. Tonight you're ready to come home to your heavenly father and make a new commitment to him and and a new start. Could I see your hand very quickly? Anyone? You say, that's me. Yes, sir. Thank you. Anyone else? Now, this is going to be hard for some of you. No one looking around, please. The very first point I made tonight that Daniel had an excellent spirit in him. You recognize the fact in your own life that you've got a wrong spirit. Doesn't matter if it's a critical, judgmental, gossiping, whatever, but you've got a wrong spirit that you want to lay at the foot of the cross tonight and with God's help, be different when you leave here. If that's you, could I see your hand really quick? Just slip it up. Yes, 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 yes. Many hands throughout this place. Put it back down. The Lord has seen every hand that has gone up for every need. And I want you to understand something. He cares. And he's about to make a difference in some of you. For those of you that raised your hand for salvation, I want you to understand very clearly. The word says that if we believe Jesus is the Son of God that came to this earth, was tempted in every way that you and I are, yet he was faithful. He was without sin, made that blood pristine and pure that was worthy to redeem sinful man back to holy God. And he died a death to pay a debt that we couldn't. But he didn't stay dead. He walked out of that grave on that Sunday morning, the first day of the week. And he holds the keys of death, hell, and the grave. And he's ready for whosoever will to come. He said, if we believe that in our heart and confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus, then we're saved. So I want to address that first. Let's, let's just pray. And if you mean this in your heart, my prayers can't save you. You must believe in your heart and confess with your mouth so that you can be saved. So let's pray. Say, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. I do believe with all of my heart that you're God's son that died for me. But I also believe You didn't stay dead. That you're alive today, ready to forgive me 
And so now I ask you to forgive me of my sins, to cleanse me with your blood, to come into my life and to be my Savior and Lord. Help me to learn your voice, to learn your ways, so that I can live a life that's pleasing to you and enjoyable to me. In Jesus' name. Now, Lord, you saw many hands go up for other things. All of these people that raised their hand tonight saying they had a wrong spirit tonight. God, I thank you for the conviction upon them and for their obedience to say, that's me. Now I ask you, Lord, to do what only you can do as they surrender to you and reach out to you and come to you and lean upon you and trust in you with all their heart that, Lord, you'll, put a, you'll renew in them a right spirit. You'll create in them a clean heart and renew a right spirit within them that, Lord, that they too might go through and out of the lion's den. Lord, I thank you for your love for us. I thank you, Lord, that you'll meet the needs of everyone that's gathered here tonight, emotionally, physically, spiritually, financially, relationally. God, that you will be God. We call upon you to show yourself mighty and strong in our lives and on our behalves. We ask you to do miracles in our life. Lord, your word says that you went about with your disciples, working with them, confirming your word with signs and wonders. Lord, we ask you to confirm your word in our midst and through us with signs and wonders. We'll be sure to say thank you in Jesus' precious name. Amen.